Now, what am I good at? I can shred on the drums, and I'm a marketing whiz. Okay, reel it in. Reel it in this time, all right? Reel it in. Reel it in, slow and steady. It does reel it in this time, it'll be a leg away from the world title. I'm Parker Dietz. I'm Tom Logan. And that is right. You're listening to Reel It In, the podcast from Coley that is built for marketers and Creed fans alike. If you're wondering who our guest is on this episode, keep on wondering. Tom and I sit down one-on-one to discuss some important Coley business. Most importantly, the three reasons you should not work with Coley. Wow. Shocker. I know. Then we get into the five things I learned in my first year as a digital marketer which surprisingly does not include learning proper Slack etiquette. Sorry, I know 3 a.m. is not an acceptable time to ask for access to the Google Doc. So sit back, relax, and remember that here at Reel It In, we accept all listeners with a homes wide open. Tom, how's it going? We got a, a Coley only pod today. Coley only pod and uh, I'm doing well. I saw you about four seconds ago. You're in the phone booth right next to me. Yeah. So for those of you listening at home, Tom and I are, are in the office together in, in two matching phone booths that are about the, the size of an actual phone booth that doesn't exist anymore. Um, but he's, he's right behind me next door. Huh. Um, we're not audio specialists, so we don't know how to record in the same room yet. Um, so we're, we're still, we're still learning, but uh, doing well. R- really hot today. Going to carry my backpack home. Cannot put that thing on my back. It's a little too close, a little too close to the skin. Uh, yeah, I certainly had that experience biking to work this morning. You bike to work? I bike to work. Yeah, almost, almost every day. Um, rain or shine. Today was a tough one, though. Um, I very nearly had to take out my 17th Coley shirt from the bin. Happens a lot. <laughs> <laughs> that's why we are we order so many mediums because i i consume them all throw them right on yeah i was wondering i couldn't find a large i've been squeezing into these mediums and it's it's not always the most flattering all right you got me i'm technically a large <laughs> <laughs> well i had a nice weekend i was doing a little bit of rebranding yeah. um as you know i've been watching a lot of outer banks and I've decided to become more of a pogue. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't really much of a kook before, but now I just need everyone to make sure that I'm a pogue. So I was wearing crokies. I'm trying to bring crokies back. Uh, for those of you who don't know, those are like the little straps that attach to your sunglasses right. so you, they don't fall off your neck. I was also wearing my brand new Creed t-shirt that I got on Amazon. A uh, huge Creed fan. So I don't know if that's pogue, but it's definitely not kook. Um, It'd be somewhere in the middle. And, uh, somewhere in the middle, Yeah. Kind of like a, a a Kiara who can go who can go both ways. How religious is is Creed's music? I, I'm honestly not sure. I, I associate them with with Christian rock, but that might be in my own head. I'm not sure. I think you can apply it to Christianity. Uh, I I think they started out as a Christian rock band mm-hmm. and and realized there's a little bit more money in the in the more secular more world. Yeah, or yeah. You can always, so they uh, pull the Cartman move and just sub in. Uh, what does he do? He just makes every love song a song about God. Exactly. Yeah. So 
they they almost did that um <laughs> but yeah they 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 disbanded for various reasons they had a problematic history but uh, i i think that with arms wide open is is still probably the best song of all time i've heard you sing it a few times yeah again you know that's why you're bringing it up no no not now we'll just okay. uh we'll, we'll try to play it during the pod i'll put it in there in post yeah we could do like an alternate intro yeah, special edition for the no guest episode. Read Spash. Yes, <laughs> exactly. We're off the well, deep end. Yeah, we're off the deep end here. Uh, it's time to reel it in. Hmm? Wink, wink. Um, but anyway, what, what has really been on my mind is, is before I moved back to New York, I went to a cocktail party of sorts with my parents. And I saw a lot of their friends that I hadn't seen in years uh, since I started working here. And just about every single one of them asked me what I do and what Coley does mm -hmm. and trying to explain um, what we do to a, a group of baby boomers and what I do was, was about the most challenging thing yeah. uh, I've ever had to do. It, it wasn't an easy elevator pitch and the look of confusion on these folks' faces was, was not fun. Um, at, at one point, I just started telling everyone that that I worked at uh, General Motors and the questions just stopped. Uh, so <laughs> I, when, it's, when you're not as uh, established and you're in more of a niche industry and, and you're uh, using, um, you know, you're relying on technology that, that wasn't even around uh, 10, 10, 15 yeah. years ago, uh, it can be challenging for those people. So I'm curious because you, uh, you, you made the, the darn company. What is your go-to, uh, you know, party party explanation or you know elevator pitch for what what coley does yeah well first off like i'm i'm not immune from the same blank stares that uh that you or, or any other uh of our colleagues likely get in that scenario i think it's tough right if you think about like baby boomers and their generation like the internet they didn't grow up with the internet right they like weren't going on facebook they uh, in college i guess that's dating myself but they uh they're just not as digitally savvy right so when it comes to understanding anything digital i think it can be really challenging and, and simplicity is certainly the goal there so basically the way that i explain it is that we help a variety of brands who sell their products on the internet generate photos and videos through talented network of individuals who that range from photographers to videographers to just normal people who are super creative. And basically they will create original content, photos or videos, product reviews in some instances for brands that desperately need those assets for marketing. That's the way I explain it. And then if someone's like, yeah, go on, I'm with you, obviously, which doesn't happen super often if we're in a, a uh, more mature setting with our parents. Um, the conversation would then shift to, well, uh, what we then do with the content is we'll help plug it into uh, your entire marketing stack as a brand. So we'll help you test uh, Coley generated assets, your own assets uh, throughout your email tool, your ads tool, your SMS provider. Everywhere that you use content will help you you know, put, uh, put assets to the, to the test and, and define winners that ultimately help um, these channels perform better for brands. So that was a slightly, uh, that's like the slightly more savvy tangent. 
Yeah, I've never been asked that second part. It hasn't gone that far. But I, yeah. I imagine if I if I tried to explain that, it would it would be uh you could also say hey, brands need more content than they've ever needed before for uh, personalized marketing for all of these different channels. We help them address that. Yeah. I think the big thing is, and it doesn't even have to do with your your age at all. It's it's really, I think, unless you're in the marketing world you don't really know or understand how these brands are even like putting this content out in front of you. Like, where is it coming from? Right. right? You like, at the very least, you know, about television commercials. Right. And that's, you know, pretty easy to understand. It's, it's a big production. You have a studio shoot, you have actors, things like right. that. There's this whole other side of it that, that drives, you know, tons of business. And for a lot of brands, all of their business, and it's, it's all digital and it's, right if you're not spending a lot of time on the, on the internet, or you're just not paying attention to ads, which, which uh, I'm sure a lot of people do, like you don't really think about, okay, how does a brand get enough content to, to really have an effective strategy on digital? And, and when all you've seen is like, you know, you've heard a radio commercial or seen a TV commercial, and it's really like what you think of when you think of, of marketing content. Um, it's, it sounds like, we are making something up or like it's yeah. it's a really like scientific or like advanced um solution when at the end of the day it's it's creating relatable content through real people and and just seeing how it performs and creating more of the of the good stuff also remember that direct to consumer businesses who primarily sell online i mean this is this is a very very recent trend in the greater scheme of things right would have first happened in like the 90s uh, but it certainly wasn't even close to mainstream typically if you're going to start a business that made you know t-shirts or shoes for example your entire goal is to get picked up by retailers right that's that's how you sold your product um that's how you got you know, awareness that's how you reached potential consumers and anything that you did from a marketing standpoint was then followed by find us at big five, find us at Walmart. So this idea of like a direct relationship between a brand and a potential consumer, I mean, that's only a couple decades old. Yeah, that's actually a great point. Cause now that I think about it, I've like before was thinking this D2C thing has been around a lot longer than it has, but I'm thinking back to my sophomore year of, of college, which was, I don't know, six years ago five years ago and i went to we heard about this new place called warby parker where you could just go get all these different glasses they're affordable but they're still nice um i was i bought a mattress that year a real mattress and uh one of my friends bought a casper and i was like you can just buy a mattress in a box and was absolutely dumbfounded my mom is was just informed about the the possibility of a boxed mattress and she's still re reeling from that news so yeah, it really has been recent. And I think that's um that's probably the main reason why it's it's you know hard for for the average Joe to to understand like exactly what it is we do. Totally. I mean you think about those two businesses before, right? You would go to a like a mattress world or a, a big like yeah, a big mattress depot in, in New York City and like that those are retailers. They don't make any of their own products, they're simply reselling um mattresses that other mattress focused companies make 
same thing with like a variety of eyeglass stores, right? Like you don't necessarily even know the brand, nor do you really care. You're just there to solve a need. And what both of those companies did was introduce beyond just direct to consumer, this idea of brand where it didn't previously exist before. When you think about Eric Ryan and starting like method cleaning products, all he did there, he comes from a branding background. He's a, he's a uh, marketing genius. And the way that he started the company was like, I'm going to walk around the grocery store and I'm going to find aisles of products that are devoid of any brand. Right. So he, you know, happens on the cleaning products aisle and it's a bunch of like, you know, chemical looking red, bright blue, you know, ugly types of cleaning products. And now, you know, Myers is kind of off the same tune, but like those cleaning products are almost, they're almost like aesthetic pieces in a kitchen. Just think about how, how much that's changed. Those brands were able to uncover this, this need or this want from consumers that were, you know, stuffing their, their Clorox under the cabinet and trying to hide it. And it's like, no, it's now it's a personality trait that you like this brand and that you have this brand and that it's like part of your life. And, and, you know, before it's just, it's utilities. Um, Think about any, any product that's like highly commoditized, right? Like disinfectant wipes, like certainly fall into that category. If you're a new player or you're introducing a new product, like it's actually not just enough to have a better product. Like you actually have to do something to like tell your story, your why, why did you start the brand? What's unique about you? And you know, how do you, uh, how do you understand your consumers better than these like legacy conglomerates that, that have been cranking out the same chemicals for a hundred years? Yeah. And that's what we see, I think, in a lot of the content that we're helping brands create is it's putting their products second and these real life experiences first. And then that's how you are really able to like differentiate yourself among these commoditized products is, Oh, we're for the, uh, you know, the busy mom who, you know, likes to eat healthy and, and is gluten-free, like whatever. And it's like showing that within your content is a good way to differentiate yourself from, you know, any old, uh, disinfectant wipe or something like that. Um, so that was a, a long way of talking about what we are in the current state of, of D2C and, and kind of the, uh, the role we're trying to fill. Now, there's some roles we're not trying to fill. Recently, we, uh, we ripped off uh, an article from Gong. Mm-hmm. Unapologetically, Unapologetically, we're clients of Gong now and we, we love them. So uh, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, so we, we took their article and basically their article was five reasons not to work with Gong which of course is, um, you know, a bit of a shock when you see it coming from Gong. So you're always like, oh, let me click on this. Uh, we took it and made our own version, three, re- three reasons not to work with Coley. Um, so for today, we thought it would, might be fun to, to run through those. Tom, you can you conceive them for the most part. Um, so it'll be great to have, have your take on these three reasons. But it, uh, mm-hmm. as a piece of content, performed very well for us. Um, so we thought we would take the time to, uh, to talk through some of those. Um, so the first one we have here, and unless you wanted to, to say something before we get started, but I'm going to uh, start with number one here. So the number one, or the, the, number, the first thing on the list here, you're solely focused on scaling your influencer program. Um, so if you're one of those people, why, are you, uh, why shouldn't you work with Coley? 
Um, yeah, so there's, there's nothing wrong with wanting to scale up your influencer program. It's just a matter of focus for us, right? So there are a lot of other companies, Grin, Maverick, Aspire IQ, that frankly just have better influencer capabilities when it comes to certain data that they're surfacing, um, certain like CRM capabilities, um, audience data around the influencers. Now, influencer marketing is a very, um, it's certainly here to stay. It's a very powerful component of a marketing program, but the problems that we are aiming to solve are uh, not so influencer focused. They're very focused around generating assets that brands need, again, to test all across their digital platforms, and then also helping them do a lot more testing through these integrations with their, their full marketing stack, right? Anything that's automated, we can help them do a lot more testing. And that's our lane. And it goes back to our, our very like why behind starting the business. Eric and I were working in user-generated content. We saw influencers, content creators as uh, being sort of the perfect answer to all of our challenges within that space. And, um, you know, while we did start out with some influencer capabilities, that's just not our direction now. And trying to focus on multiple items and, and um, serve multiple masters, it's, that's not a good company direction. Yeah. So in your opinion, do you think working with an influencer, do you think that the better way is to work with an influencer and just focus on brand awareness with just that influencer? Or should you also get content from the influencer at the same time and have like this two prong goal or at that point, does it become too convoluted? And then you're kind of, you know, half-assing two things. Um, I actually do think that they should very much be separate. I think that when an influencer is taking in a brand's request, they're doing so with their audience in mind with um, the thinking that, Hey, how will my audience respond? How can I represent this product in a way that's genuine? Um, and it won't be perceived as, you know, me trying to sell the fire fest to someone. Um, so, you know, I generally like parallel programs that work with, you know, be it ambassadors, photographers, just freelancers, um, or a platform like Coley that's very content generation focused. I, I like to see that um, done in addition to an influencer program. Yeah, I feel that too. With sometimes with like the Coley stuff, is I'm able to to more closely align to Coley's voice when you know my name isn't attached to it, right? Because that's not you know, I like Coley's tone of voice and our our approach and all that, but it's not yeah. who I am. So when you have an influencer um, trying to create content that's I guess quote unquote on brand or like in a certain aesthetic, if that's not their their jam and they have to share it on their channels, like. I don't think they're going to be super, super excited to work with you. Yeah, we're, we're going to continue to support, um, you know, basic influencer functionality for sure. And um, particularly for existing clients or, or new clients down the road who potentially want to, you know, do some sort of very basic add-on of basic goals. And, you know, we can certainly help them, but we really view influencer as an activation channel, similar to email, similar to paid ads. Right, not as this like standalone strategy that's going to drive a bunch of traffic to your site and do this hugely ROI positive thing. Yeah, I definitely don't think it's it's going anywhere. Um, I think maybe just the focus is shifting. 
Um, we were always going to have some sort of endorsement, whether it be through celebrities or influencers. Brands are always going to be, I think, looking for uh, these more well-known people to um, right. to promote your products to to like their fan base, their audiences, no matter how how big. Yeah, but if you're if you're solely focused on ramping up your influencer program, then I think there are better options out there. If you have a very basic influencer need and you're more focused on content generation around ramping up the amount of testing that you're doing across your marketing channels, um, then we're a great partner. Sure. Um, so the next one, because we got a, we got a tight schedule here. Um, number two, you're not interested in testing content. What does that mean? Um, that means that you feel like, like as a brand that you know exactly what's going to work uh, with your specific audience and you aren't willing to test against that. And that's okay. There are still like certain luxury brands that would much prefer to, to conceive a, uh, a campaign that's, that's very tightly controlled by the creative team, uh, the CMO, whoever it might be. But, you know, if they really have a very clear idea of exactly who they want to market to, maybe they validated it from past campaigns. Um, then, you know, if they have no interest in testing, then they're probably not going to be a great fit for Coley. And we very much believe and align very well with, you know, marketing teams and companies that believe that, you know, hypotheses around what will work or what might resonate with certain audiences um, can certainly be an important step in the process. But ultimately, you know, data has to validate that. And you hear me talk about this all the time. Um, but I really don't think that in five years, there will be a single content decision made that isn't heavily informed by data. So um, those, are, those tend to be the companies we align best with, the ones who want to do more testing, um, want to expand market share, expand you know, revenue from email, whatever it might be, aren't happy with just, just um, you know, holding the party line forever. Yeah, and I think that's not to say you should just, you know, always be experimenting with something outside the box or something like that. Like that's, that's not really, I think the, the correct thought process there, but it's like always in some capacity, at least in the background is, you know, you should always be trying to dig a little bit deeper and, and uncover um, either like, I guess, potential new like revenue streams, new markets. Um, but like testing can also be very small. It can be, you know, changing a subject line, changing a copy, uh, a, a phrase of copy with um, a certain image and, you know, just vice versa, trying different things. It's not like you have to, you know, change your logo every day and, you know, create all this different content that like, it's supposed to make people say, what the heck is this? Um, it, it, can be, it can be very not simple. Yeah. And that's why it's very important to us too, that we're, we're building in the functionality to be able to upload your own assets that, you know, you've, um, you've generated through a photo shoot or your ambassador program, wherever they might be coming from. You know, that's okay. We can still take those in. We can help you tag them and we can help you do a lot more testing with those assets. And in that way, you don't even need to use any Coley generated assets. They can be 100% your own. Yeah. It's really just not making decisions in the dark, which like in my job is the worst feeling in the world. I think right. trying to like, what should we do next? And if you really don't have the data, you could just think about it for a week and pick whatever idea I guess sounds to you personally the coolest, but there's nothing that feels worse than, than wasting three months of time on something that kind of fell flat. I mean, it's really, 
it's really just not fun. So whenever yeah, you're able-, able to learn quickly, right? It's totally fine to fail. I mean, I think mistakes are are good. Bad data around performance can be a good thing so long as you're able to note it quickly, adapt, and um, consistently try and find new winners that that are, that are going to have major benefits for um, for your marketing organization, right? Yeah. Okay. So number three here is you don't have a marketing team. What, what does that one mean? <laughs> yeah. You know, what we found over the last, you know, four plus years um, is that with the, with, um, with clients who just don't quite have big enough teams yet or enough resources to commit to Coley uh, into running their marketing programs, like they're just probably not quite a fit for us right? We're not some sort of like low cost content alternative. What we are is a really a supplementary tool um, to help sophisticated brands generate the assets they need um, to test and to win. And really what we've found is that if you don't, have, if you don't quite have a marketing team yet, that's totally fine. We'll, we'll have a you know, out of the box, like free product reviews tool that you'll be able to use. And a variety of other solutions that are that are very hands off from our side of down the road, but um, in general, if you don't have a marketing team, that probably means you just have a couple products. You don't necessarily have the most pressing content needs, and you're also probably very resource strapped, um, meaning that you probably don't have the time um, to jump in here and and manage what is a very simple platform, but it uh, does take you know, a few hours a week. Um, and you probably don't have the resources to hire someone else to do it just yet. Um, but we're certainly pulling for you and we'll, we'll gladly, you know, um, talk to you once you have some marketers in place. So do you have a recommendation for those folks who like, let's say they came in and they agreed with everything we just said, and they were like, this is what, this is my philosophy. I want some content. Um, but, you know, as it turns out, maybe I can't manage the, a platform. You know, I remember at, at Coley, I don't think we, we even had a CRM when I started. We had a Google Sheets. Um, so we were definitely weren't ready to handle um, totally. like, like HubSpot yet. So what, um, I guess, would you have a recommendation for, for that founder or that, that CMO, I guess, whoever that would be um, for trying to achieve these things without mm-hmm. being able to really manage a platform? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would say look to your customer base and try to incentivize them to create original assets for you. See if you can build up a basic ambassador program. Um, provide some sort of uh, loyalty points for uh, within your loyalty program, which you should have at, at all levels, regardless of how mature your, your org is, um, and incentivize content creation. We've even had you know younger brands that we've worked with in, in, uh, in the past who've you know, just reached out to specific photographers on well, Upwork, on um, you know, other platforms like that that can, that can pair them with some talented folks as well. So, you know, um, that's, uh, that, that would be really be my recommendation. I'm trying to think about some other, and what do you think? Do you think I'm forgetting anything there in terms of recs for, for SMBs that are getting off the ground? This will ultimately depend on how big the org is, but I think what I'm seeing a lot is like employee generated content. Um, maybe that's totally. not the most authentic or, you know, maybe you want more like 
uh, user focused, customer focused, but like I've seen this, um, this company Kanga coolers and they seem to be crushing it. I don't know anything about them other than that. These coolers, you can put a full case of beer in them, but like their TikToks are just, and it's a small team. You can, you can tell it's just them at their, uh, their warehouse, their office, wherever it is drinking beers all day and like making funny videos. Um, you know, I, I don't think everyone's gonna be the brand to do like funny viral videos or anything like that. But I think, I think, uh, you, if you have even five people who can, who can work an iPhone, like you can, you can get different content of your, of your products. Like if they're going on vacation, like, Hey, why don't you snap a, a photo of this? We'll give you a gift card. Um, so incentivizing employees to, to create content is I think really helpful. Um, as, at least yeah. at the very beginning. Yeah. I mean, Hey, like Equinox and Peloton, uh, very much turned to their own employees, their own instructors as, as, uh, some of their biggest advocates, right. Their largest influencers. Um, so that that's very much an option. Who's your person? Who's your Peloton go to? Um, I think right now it's, uh, it's Kendall tool or Emma Lovewell. For a while, I was on the Alex Toussaint train, but like, it's just so tiring. Is he too mainstream now? Because he's like the OG, he, I feel. He is, yeah. I he So if, for our listeners at home, I don't uh, believe in fitness. So I don't know who any of these people are. But what's, <laughs> I, I would just want one that would, would just scream. Is there someone that just screams like a maniac at the top of their lungs? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I would want. There's a Disney Channel ride now. Like what, what, like what era of Disney channel? Uh, like Disney channel or like Disney it, and then it's a Peloton channel. I'm thinking of I Disney think channel. Wrong. There's a Disney ride now and the songs are from Disney movies. So call it, let it go. Um, gotcha. World. I was yeah. thinking of like Hannah Montana, Sweet Life of Zach and Cody, like, like these sitcoms that were on Disney channel which I, I don't understand how you'd make a fitness routine out of that, but me, I, I, I'd be interested to see it. Like boy meets world. Yeah. Smart guy. It's like a generation before. I love boy meets world. You are such a Corey Matthews. Thank you. You're welcome. I'm a Sean Hunter. I think everyone knows that I'm the bad boy. <laughs> so anyway, I, I think those are, are pretty sound reasons. Um, I think they definitely will help clear up a lot of the, along with our, our explanation of, I guess, what Coley is, um, it can be confusing, especially in our space, in this MarTech space. There's so many people, uh, so many players that do a bunch of different really cool things. And, and uh, at the end of the day, it's like sometimes it can be a little, a little hard for people, especially new um, to learning about the industry. Like we see it sometimes with, with new employees here, but like really figuring out what all these, what, what, what parts all these different players really really play and um and how like a lot of them work towards the same goal but um yeah i think uh i think that article will continue to to help us out and and we'll be sure to link to it in the uh in the show notes yeah sometimes it's a little more effective to just say uh who you're not and who's not the perfect fit rather than just trying to you know fit a round peg in a square hole yeah well said all right so we're going to switch roles here and I'm going to interview you. This is a lovely change of tune and you get to be on the hot seat. 
for those of you who don't know Parker Dietz, he is a proud University of Michigan graduate. He joined us fresh out of school, so we didn't let anyone else grab him. He started on the sales side and has now uh, worked his way up the content ranks. He's now our go-to content guy. So he runs our podcast. He manages our blog. He does our LinkedIn strategy. He oversees social channels. Um, and he is also our resident class clown, which certainly cannot be understated in its importance. Um, Parker, would you like to say hello to the people? Hello, everyone. Um, yeah, so basically for this segment, we're going we're gonna to run through some things that I learned in my first year as a digital marketer, um, which is funny because I started as a salesperson telling a bunch of digital marketers what they, what they need to believe, or at least, you know, mm -hmm. from, from my very limited experience. And I think in this mm -hmm. past year, um, working on the marketing team, I could go back and be a much better salesman. Um, Probably. With, with, these, did, with these experiences. What did you think the role was when you first took it? I, how has it been different? Yeah, so I, I guess I pictured the role as I'll, I'll be writing mostly entirely articles, articles for the blog. I thought mm -hmm. that's probably going to be a lot of it, just writing various articles, trying to come mm -hmm. up with the coolest, next best thing. Um, and I thought that I would be able to, to do that. Mm -hmm. um, like more so like either like outside the box type of content mm -hmm. or things people have never thought of before. Uh, I quickly learned that that's great if you can do that. And if you can do it very well, it translates to mm -hmm. results. But at the end of the day, you know, sometimes the the things that, I mean, in most cases, the things that are actually relevant and actually addressing real problems are the things that are going to perform well. You can come up with the funniest article of all time or, mm -hmm. or, you know, make an interesting comparison. But if it doesn't really speak to something that people in our space uh, mm -hmm. our clientele care about, then you're just basically wasting your time. And, and it does take yeah. a lot of time to create content. So you should, totally. you shan't be wasting it. Totally. All right. So let's, um, I believe you've narrowed it down to the five top things that you've learned in your first year as a content marketer. Yeah. What's and number one? so number one actually goes along with that pretty well is that you never know what's going to perform best. Um, as I mm -hmm. said, like you might think, because it's, it seems outside the box or it seems creative or it's something that's, that no one's ever done before, that it's going to drive results for your team or for your company or, or help you achieve these, these metrics that you have as an individual. I found that not to be true very quickly. Um, I put together, you know, an ebook that I thought was, was a really interesting take on something and it, it didn't get a lot of downloads. The, the best performing blog article we've ever had is a, a list I put together in about 10 minutes of fashion brands using TikTok. And that performed, uh, it's, it's the all-time best performing piece mm -hmm. of content I think we have. And mm -hmm. I spent no time on that, which isn't to say don't put any effort into anything, but like, that's just a relevant topic. We, you know, fashion brands are probably interested in TikTok trying to figure out what other successful brands have done in that realm. And they just want a list of what they did. Um, so I found that like, you know, I didn't even optimize that one for SEO, which is a hilarious thing. I didn't even know what SEO really was until I took this role. Um, so it was kind of the school of hard knocks there, but 
it, it performed the best. And these things that I would spend months on, um, you know, barely even saw the, the light of day. So you really never know what's going to perform best. There's certainly things you should be doing is, is in my opinion, you know, categorizing certain types of content into whether it's like topic clusters or certain categories mm -hmm. and figuring out what like the underlying essence or structure that best resonates with your audience and, and performs the best. But like, don't be afraid to, to test new things or don't ever like scoff at something because you think it's beneath you or, you know, it doesn't align with, with your brand. Mm -hmm. I think you, you'd be surprised. I mean, that article told us that, okay, TikTok is a, is a really hot topic, right? That's part of the reason we had Oliver on for our first episode, other than we love him right. was that we're like, we, the people want some TikTok, you know, based on all this, this content that's, that's performing well. Um, that's, that's focused on content. So, all right. I think that's the, uh, that that's the first thing I learned is, is what was number two? Number two is, is you need guardrails. Um, which by that, I mean, I kind of use SEO as my guardrails, basically just putting some parameters on yourself to, to add focus to your content creation. So in my case, and I'll try to relate this to, to more consumer facing, uh, brand in a second, but in my case, like, let's say you pick a topic, like, I don't know, email marketing. There's so much you could say about that. You know, there's so much you could say even just about content testing or, or, you know, um, social media advertising that you really need to, to stay focused and not try to hit every single, every topic, every essence or, or speak to every single person in your audience. Right. So you need different content for all the different segments in your audience that really speaks to them. So if you're a, a consumer brand, you shouldn't try to add as much as you can to your images and to your videos, you know, to speak to all these different demographics that make up your audiences. You really need to focus that, that content um, and make different content for, um, for these different subsets within your audience. Um, you know, whether that be demographic based on behavior, whatever it is, but um, casting a wide net is not cool anymore. Uh, so you kind of have to do more of a one-to-one -one type of, of like more personalized approach, which, um, which is hard at first, I think, but you, you slowly, once you start to better understand your, your different segments, your different personas, you can, you can do it pretty effectively. What's number three? Number three is double your timeline. <laughs> Everything <laughs> takes longer than you think. Um, that one might be semi-personal. Um, I tend to overestimate my abilities and mostly everything. Uh, but I think there's so much that can change slash go wrong slash extend a timeline that you should always add like a lot of cushion. There's also certain instances where in marketing, you want to be as topical as possible. Let's say something happens. Um, and you want to take advantage of this, it could be a pop culture event. I always think back to Oreos tweeting when the, uh, when the Super Bowl lights went out and they just ripped off that tweet immediately and just like went absolutely viral about the, uh, the, the, the blackout at the uh, football stadium. But something could come up and you could quickly want to switch to another project that might take you, I don't know, three, four days, but it would be really important to do. Um, mm -hmm. If you have extra cushion in your, in your timeline, um, and your, your, I guess your due dates, then, then it allows you to do that. Um, you also have to think about like, if you, if you design by committee these days, um, that thing can go through revisions, revisions, your content 
images, videos, you know, whoever you show it to, if, if they're above you and they have comments, you better, you know, defend them or address them, but you're going to need extra time to figure all that out. But yeah, I just mm-hmm. quickly learned that, you know, you can't, you can't do it all um, in, a, in a short period of time. So give yourself enough wiggle room. What's number four? Number four is repurpose, repurpose, repurpose. Um, that doesn't mean, you know, you should take uh, the same content, don't alter it at all and just put it everywhere. But like this mm-hmm. podcast, for example, this gives me so much content. It gives me the actual episode, the full recording. It gives me these, you know, short video clips. We turn it into blog posts. It gives mm-hmm. me something to put into our email newsletters. It gives me something to put on our social channels. Um, so it's kind of like, uh, I don't know, when those like Joe Rogan's got to like when he's out hunting elk or something, and he's like, you got to eat every part of the animal. You really like when you're creating content, like try your best to eat every part of the animal and, you know, put it all to use. Right. Um, I, I think that. that that'll help you, uh, you know, keep up with the, the volume of content that you need these days, um, which is which is astronomical. I mean, you talk about your perceived role and being writing like really meaty, well-researched, like long articles. I mean, look at what we can do with this podcast, right? We can just record 10, 20 minute podcast episodes. We can get key themes that allows you to, to turn it into a blog post, transcribe blog post, or, or again, just, just highlighting the, the key points. And we have a podcast episode. We can then snip that podcast episode into you know, one minute clips, 30 second clips that, that hit on key topics and also allow the, uh, it it acts as like a sales enablement tool as well. Right. It also allows us to connect with partners, clients, people who are, you know, relevant in the industry. So, yeah. So this podcast is the best. Exactly. Yeah. That's what we're the best. All right. What's what's number five besides, uh, or, or, uh, moving on from eat the whole elk. Yeah. So I trademark that one. Yeah. Um, make it relevant, uh, really relevant. It's no one's going to read something if they don't care about it. No one's going to look at something. No one's going to watch a video that doesn't matter to them. And I think a big hurdle for, for me, especially at first was I thought I, I thought that the audience would just care about what we care about because, you know, we decide that, that this is important. It's not the case. Uh, you always have to transform the the finished product in a way that speaks to what truly matters to your audience. So data plays a big part in that. Um, you know, really understanding what types of content, what formats perform well in front of which, you know, segments of your audience. And then really just the easiest way to do it is is put yourself in their shoes and like really think about it and put yourself in someone's shoes, um, which is hard to do if you don't understand who you're trying to reach. But if you understand who you're trying to reach, think like, mm-hmm. do they care about this stuff? Like, okay, cool. We have a new partnership or a new integration, but like, why does, why should anyone care? You know, like, why should, mm-hmm. like, why sh- if I'm a, let's say, I don't know, a creative director at a, at a consumer packaged goods company, like, like, why do I really, like, why would I ever care that, you know, you have uh, some sort of, of integration or some sort of cool tool in your, in your platform that can, you know, 
I don't know, download your images faster. Like I don't. Um, so it's really about connecting what, what you do to the, that actual person's priorities. Um, so that's why we're seeing a lot of like user generated content in the, in the consumer space is because it paints it in the light of, of situations that people actually care about. So like, I don't know if you're a, a mother and you see these, you know, to use the example from earlier, but you see like, oh, these disinfectant wipes are like helping uh, this mother, you know, clean up after her, her daughter's birthday party or, you know, clean up her, I don't know if you're supposed to use on people's faces, but use it on her like daughter's face, like, I don't know, at her soccer game or something like that. And it's like, oh, you know, like wow, my, uh, my kids play sports and I'm always at those games and like, this would make my life easier. This would be important to me. So really mm -hmm. just making it relevant and, and not lying to yourself about what is relevant. Well said. And that's it. That's five. I only got five. There's more, but we, you know, people have short attention spans these days and I don't think people <laughs> want to hear my nasally voice any longer. Well, then we can wrap on that. Let's wrap on that. It's always great talking to you, Tom. I'll see you in two seconds outside the phone booth. Okay. See you outside. Bye.